And it's time for that fantastically flawless, perfectly produced, and amazingly live podcast known as Splunk Talk. Episode number 75, recorded July 8th, 2016. The Real Deal. Wild, Clint, and Hal are back from DockerCon, back from a power outage, and back from Splunk 6.4 release. Let's do this. I gotta have more cowbell. Splunk Talk, writing answers without a doubt. Splunk Talk, we'll help you figure it out. Splunk Talk, I'd like to tell the whole world about Splunk Talk. Splunk Talk. All right, hey, we're back for another episode of Splunk Talk. Michael Wild here, out of Austin, Texas. Who else do we got here? Clint um, Sharp, live from Oakland, California. Live. And live. Live from Oakland, California. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. And how? Where are you? Where are the you John today? Cena thing. The what thing? <laughs> the John Cena thing. It just reminded oh, me of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My boys do that all the time. <laughs> John Cena. Apparently, he was legitimately in my social feeds the other day for doing something other than being the 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 John Singer thing. John it was a patriotism thing, I believe it was. So. Yeah, I, I didn't make it through. Did you notice? Uh, as if this is not one big tangent. Did you notice the new Facebook um, timeline on the bottom of a video where they have analytics built into it? I don't watch Facebook. Uh, I don't use Facebook. I'm not a another user of that. System. Okay. Yeah. Well, on the scrubber, the scrubber, the the thing on the bottom, what do you call yep. it? The play bot, playhead, whatever mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. called. I figure Clint would know what that is. They actually have the viewing analytics in a rounded area chart, if you will. Show so like you, where people skip to and things like that? Well, or like who, I guess who made it to that far. <laughs> so there's ah. like a drop off at the end. And interestingly, because this, this is now related because it's nerd related. Uh, you may or may not, uh, listeners, you may or not be fans of Mr. Robot. Me, Mr. Robot fans here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So are, they put are, we, a, are we getting a tangent to the tangent to the tangent? No, no. This is this is actually comes back because it's nerdy and it's analytics related. Yeah. See how I okay. did that. Um, they did some live stuff like last night and posted the video, and uh, and I shared it, but uh, in the video. There's a point in time where all the analytics drop off, like where almost everybody stopped viewing at that point in time because it looked like credits and it was over. Huh. But it kept going for another 30 seconds. So I don't know. I kind of like the idea of having analytics show what's happening while it's happening. So maybe how you could you could make that happen for us as Splunk Talk. Action item. Good. Is that approved, Clint? Approved. Okay, good. Yeah, Q2 goal. Okay. All right. All right, we're here back in Splunk Talk. Last week, our last episode we recorded, which didn't didn't get on YouTube because we didn't have our rig. We recorded an episode uh, with me and Clint and Josh Atwell. Josh Atwell. Mm-hmm. Damn, I can't believe it. I remembered. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, he's in my Twitter feed. I just... Yeah, thought his name was different. Uh, anyways, uh, me, Clint, Josh, and Hal at DockerCon, and we did that with Hal's cute little recorder, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. So we have to uh, post that maybe on YouTube, but we're gonna get the podcast feed up going soon. I finally up- got my acting gear. Upgoat. We're upgoating. Yes, we're gonna upgoat it. All right. So what's happening lately, Hal? 
Um, uh, 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 I was not prepared for that question. Look at that. Boom. Ah, jeez. I've been doing a lot of uh, ITSI stuff. Why? Uh, service intelligence, IT service Why? intelligence. It's a, it's a Splunk product. That's cool. It's, um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, no, no, it's like a like you go, you sit down, and and you get a whole bunch of people in a room, and and then you talk about like a business service, and then the technical stuff that makes that business service tick, and then you write a bunch of Splunk search searches that boil those questions down of whether it's working or not, you know, to a number, call it a KPI, mm-hmm. and then you map out the relationships between the services to each other and the KPIs to the services, and then you can make a nice pretty glass table view. So, you know, people can kind of see what's going on. You can drill down into it. You have these troubleshooting views. There's, there's a lot of cool stuff in that. But uh, part of my job these days is um, uh, helping customers through that process in like a one or two day engagement. Um, you're kind of spending a lot of time on breaking down a, a business or technical service into its component parts. Uh, I want to know um, what is the funniest glass table that you've ever seen? There's a lot of there's a few cheesy ones that people use with because you can put an animated GIF on a glass table and it actually get out. It actually uh, does animate. Uh, Clint, was that a uh, in the 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 PRD animated GIF support? Does remember? No, one. no, I, I believe that was. Uh, uh, I think it just sort of came for free. <laughs> with whatever JavaScript library you used or whatever. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I think really that's that that should be a, a base level platform level service. You know, animated gifs. Well, so yeah, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. From you know, we've been I hear <clears throat> whenever I, ITSI is shown to to customers, and since I'm a proxy dude, as it says at the bottom, you know, feature requests ultimately you know come back every time <laughs> every time I talk to customers. You know, why why you know can't I have uh, glass tables in uh, you know in core? And maybe we I mean we're certainly discussing it. Um, the it become you know it is a marquee feature of ITSI and we certainly spend a lot of a lot of time on it but I I don't think that's really what we want to be the differentiator for ITSI like oh look it's a new dashboard like that's not really the 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 core of the product is allowing you to use all that data that you pour into Splunk to determine the health of the services you're running on behalf of the business and Glasstable is just a really nice way of of showing that. I don't really care about glass table actually. I just want animated gifts. <laughs> so, like, I, like, no, actually, having glass table in core would be kind of kick ass. But uh, you know, Carasso, like a, like a dashboard Carasso panel widget for core dashboards. Yes, you know what? Someone, uh, another thing that we're going to have you do, Hal, as a mm-hmm. part of the podcast, mm-hmm. is you're going to make the Giphy visualization uh, widget for Splunk so that, you know, you can, uh, we can just have animated GIFs on Splunk dashboards. Actually, you know, that should be the aptitude, Splunk aptitude contest, the next one. I think so. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so um, Rachel wanted us to mention something before we switch to another topic that is totally unrelated to anything. Uh, everybody hopefully listening, all, all, all 12 of you are, are familiar with the Splunk trust community program and this is the program where we reward the people who are most enthusiastic about 
Splunk and who love to to share what they know with others and and, and teach and speak and run user groups and uh, support their internal user communities, all that good stuff. Uh, there is a, a nomination period coming up. So if you know somebody who, if, if you, you yourself or you know somebody who, who fits, who would like to nominate themselves to be considered, then we're going to have a, a little questionnaire uh, posted up on the Splunk blogs uh, soon, maybe by the time you, you hear this, if you're listening later. Um, and that will be on blogs.splunk.com slash tag slash Splunk Trust, one word, Splunk, T-R-U-S-T. So look there and I think about it. who ought to be part of that club. I love it. I love it. Yes. You know there's a karma competition happening? Ooh. I, I knew that it existed. I, I had, don't it know is. what it's about. Do you? Get, you can, there's a competition for three, one of three conf passes between July 15th and August 15th. What? So no one will enter because everyone's on vacation. So because of that, there's a chance you could win. <laughs> one of three passes. We know Clint will be in Hawaii. It starts July 15th. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like competitions where you can, you know, just, put a little bit of extra weight on the scale, you know? So, uh, you know, and if everyone else is on vacation, it seems like a great time to compete. Yeah. You might as well take advantage of a set of circumstances that'll come in your favor. So, but yes, I will be, I will be in, I'll, I will be in Hawaii and I won't be giving a shit about karma at that point. I believe not. I believe you will. <laughs> I believe you will. Uh, how, how long are you going to be there? I'm going to be there for a week and I'm, I'm, uh, this time I am committing to myself to do the, the 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. wake up to do sunrise on top of Haleakala. Ah, nice. Nice. What I'm going to be the only, my family's going to stay in bed. They've already, <laughs> they've already told me. Wait, uh, what is the, the time Delta from Pacific? Well, so I'm staying in Kanapali. I know that the, oh, uh, and so like Haleakala is, is pretty hell and gone from, from Kanapali. So like you got to You got to get up pretty early. Like you can't, drive there kind of far yeah. away or how does that work yeah, yeah. It, well it's it's the top of a ten thousand foot volcano mm. and it's all the way across the it's on the eastern end of the island and okay. so and there's no direct path you have to drive around the edges okay. of the, so there's no like condo like at five thousand feet or anything well i mean if i had thought in advance like hey i want to optimize my you know time to the top of haleakala i could have stayed in uh like I don't remember. I, I don't know how you pronounce it, like Kahui, Kui, Kui, or whatever the the town nice. is at the middle of the island. Uh, but I didn't, and so and now even if you're up country, it's still a couple hour drive. Okay. So when you're on the vault, you you know when you're sort of on the foothills of the volcano, it's still a couple hour drive. So you, and and then you know it's sunrise, which is what five thirty six a.m. Yeah, it'll be it'll be in that part of the world probably six a.m. this yeah. time of year. So he's not wrong that it's a two thirty wake up call, get on the road by three, zoom down there just to just to go. But we know, you know, so we do they have some like of a second you, showing? You can, you can go at like later in the day. <laughs> That's on YouTube. That's on YouTube. <laughs> they have sunset the other direction, so you know, uh, you, know you can do that. That would Maybe. be a, a request. I, I would like to see a second showing for, for people who don't want to get up so early. Mm-hmm. Many of you may know that Clint is an avid, avid photographer. And I'm sure he'll be taking photos. But I wonder, Clint, based on what you posted on Facebook last night, did you get the camera? Uh, so I, I have pre-ordered the camera. Okay, background. Uh, background for the people. 
background for the people. So I, I am a, as you mentioned, a photographer and an enthusiast. Uh, and I am also, uh, you, when, when you are, uh, you know, a photographer, you become, uh, uh, pretty wedded to the gear that you choose. that sort of kind of identifies you as a, as a photographer. So like, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Fuji. Um, uh, they make a mirrorless. Yeah. They make a mirrorless, uh, a number of mirrorless cameras, and they have released a new flagship model that is an upgrade to the one that I shoot today. And so I was literally at 10 p.m. a couple of nights ago hitting refresh, waiting for B&H to post the the camera so I could be one of the first to, to pre-order the the camera. And yes, and so well, – Well, well. <laughs> I have pre-ordered it, and it should hopefully be – it should hopefully ship sometime in September. So um, – so yes. I, I'm I'm incredibly excited. It is uh, it is a new sensor. Uh, I saw some of my photographer friends who are not friends, but people I follow uh, who had pre-release versions, and uh, one of the reviews showed him pushing the shadows like two plus stops, which is awesome. It means you can expose for the sun and have basically the you know the the foreground completely black almost in the photo and still bring all the shadows up. So you don't have to do HDR. You can just shoot one exposure. It's fantastic. I'm, I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll, uh, you know, gear doesn't, doesn't make the, the, the photo, but when you, you but if you are good at, at your hobby or profession, uh, you will find the, the limits of the gear. And so when new gear comes out, you're like, Oh, I can do these other new things now. Like that's the, that's why people get excited. Have nice. you ever done um, sky astronomy type pictures? Uh, I do. Um, you can actually find them if you go to uh, uh, Clint.photos. You can see a few. Uh, That's not uh, a top level. Wait, domain. is that a domain? That is no not a top way. level domain. You are you are making that up. Clint.photos. No, that's real. That's real. Yeah, Clint.photos. Yeah. Now you know yeah, I'm you gonna. Dude, you know that I'm going to replace different words for Clint. <laughs> uh-huh. Check. uh-huh. Right, like IT photos uh, or networking gear photos. <laughs> right? <laughs> networking photos? Networking photos, yes. Uh, you, you asked, so here, here. Uh, let me find a link to this. So the it here doesn't exist, by the way. Yeah, I, I checked. I knew what you were thinking. Uh, yeah, so... I will I will post this in the the chat room. So here's a here's a bit of Milky Way with some phallic things in the foreground. Good lord! Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. So the chat room for people that are hearing this later and and don't know, we're on the Splunk Dash User Groups Slack team, and <laughs> just for this. There we go. All right, hold on. That's uh, I'm gonna need to pause. Be right back. <laughs> Wow. Wait a minute. Is that for real? What? So no. I have the, okay. <laughs> so another nerdy topic. topic. I have the ring video doorbell. Yes. We were talking about IoT stuff on Facebook, the, the Facebook system that I, I just got this recently Yeah. and I, I like it. Let's, uh, let's do a review. What tell us about it. But the crazy thing is his dog just barked. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, my ring doorbell just notified me there's a movement. So is there some sort of, and I watched Interstellar recently. So is there some sort of message here? I like, like that like movie. A wormhole. I freaking love that movie. That was, a, it was a good movie. Yeah. Um, I've seen it a couple times, I think. Clint, we're talking about uh, 
home automation and uh, the movie Interstellar, in case you wanted to, to, to pick that up. I love it. So, Alexa, turn yeah. on the lights in the living room. Did it work? I, I couldn't tell. Can you see? Is that, are you in the living room? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Alexa, turn off the lights in the living room. Where is your Alexa in the same room? Dude, if you no, talk, it's actually it all the way across the house from him. Hold on. Let me, let me pin him. Okay. That's awesome. Which lights are, are the lights in frame? Cause I'm not sure if we're. Yeah. So look in the background, if you can see the, yep. the ceiling there, right? So actually let me, let me put like a Alexa, turn on the lights in the living room. Ah, there we go. That was much better. Can yeah. you make the lights cerulean? How do I unpin you? That's the problem. What does pin mean? There we go. It worked. Okay. I just have to oh, okay. As the, as the controller of the stream, I can pin someone's video to the stream as opposed to the, uh, the automatic switching it does when we talk. Awesome. Yes, indeed. Oh, so no, but tell us about the, uh, the ring doorbelly thingy. Oh, I like the, I, I have um, a number of home automation things here and I was using the Arlo Netgear Arlo cameras. I have them in my house and I had, I still have it out in the front door and it, it kind of was my doorbell by default. Cause if there was movement out there, we would get um, a push alert, which was kind of nice because I could tell somebody was coming before I even heard the doorbell. And then I decided to get the ring and it's pretty cool. Actually, I got to say it has motion alerts on it. Um, the live video is great, and then being able to talk back to people is cool. Would you like ever it. do that, the talking back part? Would you? I mean, would you do it? You can, but would you do it? Um, well, just a second ago, um, now I have not disabled my actual doorbell yet. So my, am I muted? I'm talking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Your voice sounds rather. Uh, I was like, I muted it for a second there. So uh, my actual doorbell has yet to be removed. It's on my to-do list. Or if you could get to that, how that would be nice. All right. Yeah, Barry. Um, after the Giphy app, uh, but the so people, someone just rang it just a minute ago. I heard the um, the little there is motion at your front door alert happen. See that happened right there, um, and it records it. But I would have said. I could have easily said, hey, the kids are not home right now. Go away. You know, being able to, to answer your door, if you have to address a person, really, mm -hmm. um, which happens from time to time, um, you know, or like if you're a UPS guy, yeah. who's, who's pretty cool, has to ring the doorbell and uh, is delivering uh, alcohol, you could say, bro. Just write my signature down, man. <laughs> Take a bottle out and write my signature down. Not that anyone would ever do that, but all right, all right. I don't know. I like it. I, I do like the um, the connect connectedness aspect of these things. Um, yes. I haven't I haven't gone there yet, but it's it's risen higher on my uh, my home project list. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I think that would be cool. Although I will say, as regard, I mean, you just saw my doorbell or heard it, which was my yes. dog barking furiously. I had the same doorbell uh, actually. Yeah. And so uh, the, no, no one can come near the house without uh, without furious barking and then lots of licking. Yeah, but like, is your dog actually named Alexa and your dog turned on the lights? <laughs> my dog is named 
I'm not going to say what my dog is named because otherwise, or actually just watch. Let's see. My dog is named Maggie. Oh, she actually, oh, there she, yeah, she heard. Okay, good. She ignored it. Why are we not, oh, we're not going to, this is, yeah. Maggie, right. Maggie, Maggie. He's Headphones. on Headphones. Smart. Actually, uh, I'll, Hal, yell louder. Just louder. <laughs> a lot louder. All right, everybody. So every, 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 time, every time I call home on FaceTime, uh, you know, while talking to my wife, usually I'm on, you know, speaker. And so I, I, I always shout out my dog's name multiple times so that she will hear me and start whining furiously uh, and just annoy the shit out of my wife. Does it work? It works. Absolutely. And she doesn't know where you are. She can hear you, but she can't see you because dogs, I don't think, can watch video or, or they don't seem to be able to. Uh, and so she just freaks, freaks the F out because like, she's like, I, I hear, I hear dad. Where is he? Where is he? Oh my God! I hear him. Yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. It's a, it's a great way to to troll your wife. Yeah, I I yes. Uh, I want. I do wonder. I am reading this book called In the Inside of a Dog, uh, which is done by this researcher and dog lover. That's like totally takes you through everything about dogs, which is on a pretty scientific level. So I'd like to, maybe I'll have the answer if they can see video, you know, because they don't seem to see FaceTime video at me, or maybe it's just me. I, th I think it's just you. It probably is just me. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, we did stuff at DockerCon. That was fun. Yeah, I mean, we could uh, hit some some highlights that, that, that happened in the audio portion. Uh, yeah, yeah, because if you're yeah. if you're on the the podcast right now listening you obviously haven't heard that one and that was pretty cool we did a bunch of fun stuff DockerCon. i'll tell you one thing um i have not seen enthusiasm for nerdy shit beep like this since java hmm. i haven't mean seen aside from splunk i mean be being serious i mean we have some really nerdy fans. uh not in mass no it's but, it's but not, it's not, a, not as many as an infective en mass thing that is you know obviously because it's it's a company but there's it's also open source the the engine uh so many people glo excitedly glomming onto an idea i i just haven't i haven't seen the excitement uh since java you know which is kind of cool to see it again yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it's uh, everywhere. There was an article the other day. Um, sorry, Clint. Uh, who was it? Uh, Mark Rosinovich, uh, principal dude at uh, Microsoft, uh, creator of many Azure things, uh, was talking about the. Oh, was he the CTO? The Azure, the Azure CTO guy that was at yeah. DockerCon? Yes. Yes, correct. That's him. Right. Yes. Um, he's also a published author, and his books are, are not too bad. I I, I enjoy them. Um, his uh, he was basically talking about the adoption level, and uh, uh, I don't recall the numbers off the top of my head, but but he's got they have plenty of customers in Azure, um, you know, moving towards production and in production today, and it was a higher number than I expected to, to see Microsoft talk about at this stage. Agreed. I you know the the emerging ecosystem will be uh, will be interesting to watch, although I. It stands in in stark contrast to uh, there. There's been a lot of criticism of the Gartner bimodal IT um, 
I, I theory may be a right way to put it. I don't know what, what, what exactly you, you would call their, uh, their analysis, but, uh, you know, the Ben, uh, the Docker CEO, as well as, uh, uh, several other people during the course of the show took pains to talk about how they really did not believe in, in the bimodal, uh, it analysis, but I, it's only anecdotal, uh, and, pull, and or, pull bimodal apart for our audience really quickly. Yeah, so I mean, Gartner's theory is that there are in, in any organization where we are, uh, where you are attempting to move faster. So the you know the the general pressures on on companies which are which are let's say uh, older than this generation of technology or or even the last two generations of technology. Obviously, they have you know uh, systems of record that you know I mean hell you may still be on mainframe right. Um, you know, so there are uh, lots of companies still on mainframes. We talk tons of companies. Lot. I mean, you know, we're, and uh, and so they, you know, they obviously the, that's working for them, but they are being disrupted. You know, Uber is always the example. They're being disrupted by newer, faster competitors. Um, the uh, and so in order to compete, they need to have a a presence in the uh, digital world that can move at the pace of their competitors. And so Gartner says, in order to do this, realistically, you must you know, fragment the organization, create a, um, a, a second, more agile mode, you know, mode two or whatever, that is, that is free from you know, your traditional ITIL processes, from your uh, sort of change control and you know, the rigor of the rest of the organization. Okay. And that you know the 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 vendors hate this idea because it minimizes especially vendors of next generation technology because it minimizes what the where they think they'll be able to have an impact because if docker is a mode 2 technology like if containers are a mode 2 technology and vmware is a mode 1 technology then it's going to be a while before docker becomes mainstream right and so they, they obviously from from their perspective they they believe it not to be true and they they have anecdotal evidence that that they are becoming mainstream and and you know look these 10 customers you know i have an example of where i'm mainstream mm-hmm. and you know but i will say from my own experience when when i spend time with customers you know all over the states and and especially as you get outside the states into europe and and uh, into amia and asia and things like that we got a long way to go man i mean there's a lot of technology out there and uh, it's going to be a long time before a lot of this stuff gets adopted. So you have to you have to you have to temper enthusiasm a bit. It's going to be the future, no doubt about it. Containers going to be the future, but uh, uh, I, I think bimodal IT is real. I think that where I'm seeing people build mobile applications inside of their enterprise, where I'm seeing people build you know next generation uh, you know business applications that are that are more consumer facing or or consumerization of IT almost always that's in a separate team inside of the IT organization that is maybe they report to the CTO maybe they report to the CIO but they don't they don't work for the VP of dev and the VP of ops they're they're often in some sort of other smaller group um, so you know in my in my view it's real now that makes a lot of sense and you're going to have um I mean, the, the systems that enable the startups are the same things that enable, you know, the, to, to, to have products and, and businesses launch with very low capital uh, very quickly. Those same things enable, you know, the departments, you know, the teams. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is like everything takes way longer than you would hope, right? No, because, yeah, we see this. Because people are involved in the process. Soon the robots will take over and we will 
be unnecessary, but you know, if you look at even our product, uh, how many people are on the current version? All of them. You know, we actually, like to, we, are yeah. we not above? Come on, are we not actually above average on that particular? We, we are. We are. We are way above average. Right, we're above average. No, it takes it takes, a, it takes a long time. It takes a long time for people to upgrade. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and you know, I mean, if if what you're primarily concerned with is you know lights on, doors open. Um, then you're going to be conservative and you're, and change is a risk, right? Um, you know, a lot of the more recent advancements in IT thinking, everything from continuous integration, continuous delivery to DevOps are all about, you know, how to make change go faster. And, uh, and, and I'm a firm, as a guy who used to run operations, um, you know, the, the, my, I used to argue vehemently with my peer who ran data centers, you know, very averse to change in terms of like change, you know, change is what breaks things. And I, you know, my, as, as running the application, I wanted change far more frequently because the more frequent the changes, the less of the size and scope of the change. Right. So as I, if we're pushing, right. if we're pushing code that's diverged three months from the last time we pushed to production, there's tens of thousands of individual configuration item changes and code, you know, code commits and things like that. But if we commit, if we're only pushing something that changed since yesterday, or even a few hours ago, then you know, what's the writ? Like, if we break something, it's going to be significantly smaller than than what we broke before. Well, and and there's evidence that that shows this, and this is what um, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the the DevOps survey that the Puppet uh, likes yep. to do. Um, if you look, if you search on the the blogs.splunk.com for for Puppet uh, or DevOps, you'll you'll find it uh, a link to it where uh, you know this is this is how they've they've done a big survey to measure uh, performance and and um, the use of different me- methodologies, DevOps, Agile, and all these uh, all these things, and looking at the rates of change and the impacts of outages and all this stuff and and. The end result is, uh, and go read the report. I mean, you have to like do a little login and, and whatever to get the report. Go, go read it. I mean, it's some seriously good stuff. And you know, the end result you can look at it and you show, you know, the companies, you know, the that are that are using these types of practices, they're having this kind of business impact. They lay out the numbers. It's very compelling. Um, and, and I don't think that there's really, you can you can definitely argue for control of change in in the in some sense. You know, like as far as like the outline of it. But if you uh, going back to the, the bimodal thing, um, if you if you you have to at least respect that this that these agile needs for uh, exist and encompass that, you know, if if you need to have you know some groups that are working at a different pace than others and go and work against a totally different sort of uh, uh, you know change control strategy, do that because it's a you know the and look at the outcomes. You have your own uh, experiment internally and see how it works for the organization. So here's an interesting question for you, for Hal and Wild. Uh, we we've been having a debate myself and and uh, Andy Mann, who's our our chief evangelist on on the IT side. Can ITIL and DevOps coexist? Well, I think. Okay, so first of all, DevOps is a superset, not a subset. Mm-hmm. Um, big fan of that. Um, second of all. ITIL has plenty of useful bits in it that um, have nothing to do whatsoever with, uh, for example, the the pace of change. Yeah, there's change management as a concept, but just having the common definition, so like getting your ITIL foundations training, whatever, there's no harm in that. There's lots of useful things to be, you know, to come out of that. Uh, so, yeah, I think they can definitely coexist. I think, 
you know, having, having the, the, the language for uh, how some businesses work and, and how everything works today, uh, you know, talking about the, especially the larger companies, uh, how can you not uh, work in that world without the, that kind of terminology and vocabulary? So, so if you, if you say that, you know, that ITIL, I don't know, Wild, do you have an opinion? He just scratched scratch his head on the video. He, he's just he's just muted, so he's saying yeah, nothing. Do it again. Okay, there we go. Right. Rubbing. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Next time I do that, you need to pin me so that like people can see me flail with no sound. Uh, they will coexist. How about that? I I, I see. I think they're fundamentally incompatible. Um, and, and here, and here's why it's not because of what they say in terms of like, if, if you believe ITIL is really just a, really just a definition book in terms of like, Hey, here are these terms that we have defined and we're going to agree to call these concepts, these words, uh, then, okay, fine, maybe, but that's, that's not what, that's not the connotation of what ITIL is or how it gets implemented. ITIL in almost every organization I was ever a part of that attempted to implement it was a way of defining contracts, SLAs, a mechanism of, you know, being able to essentially cover your ass, in my opinion, uh, for why you were, you know, if you were being responsive, then great. Okay. But if you failed, you know, no, no, no. We still have two more days to answer that request. We still have five more days to answer that request, and uh, w- not with the right intention in terms of trying to serve the business in the best way possible, the fastest way possible. Uh, I, I believe it is. Uh, I believe it is an, an outmoded way of thinking, fundamentally. Uh, and I believe DevOps is in direct contrast to that, which is how to be more responsive to the business how to move change faster, how to have people working, how, you know, ITIL puts ops over here and dev over there, in my opinion, fundamentally does, right? ITIL is an ops framework and dev goes by waterfall, agile, whatever else. So I'm going to drop a link to, uh, to ITIL version five in the uh, chat room. You guys just read, read the book and uh, then you'll be done. The link was to the five. Are they actually, what happened? Did they skip four? I, I, I wasn't done looking up the history of ITIL and, and consuming that article in time to get the number correct. I apologize. So is it four? I don't know, dude. So version version three is the version that I was certified in, so I don't know if I, they I have. I think that is also what I was certified in, but the history of ITIL Wikipedia pages is rather long, just saying. Yeah, I, I, I just, you know, like I said, the, and the, there are some some... There are some people who, who are huge, <laughs> huge fans. Get Rachel. Uh, yeah, yeah, people love the book. <laughs> that was great. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I interviewed this guy one time who was from uh, BMC. I don't remember his name, but he was like a published author on ITIL. Like he, he was like one of these like ITIL luminaries in the world. And, uh, you know... It just like every time I talk to somebody who is who is big in that community, it just seems so backwards. And so maybe I'm reacting more to the connotation and like what people actually do with those things 
as opposed to what the framework itself says. But if all the people who are, you know, if you consider somebody like an Andy Mann to be leaders in the DevOps community and the stuff that he talks about and the things that he, that he, that he, that he preaches in terms of the business benefits you'll get from, from being a, a DevOps shop, it's not, it's not what ITIL is all about. ITIL is all about, about SLAs and contracts and, and, and all that stuff. Okay. But, but what is the point? I mean, are we just navel gazing or does it, does it matter if the two coexist? So the, the reality is that's the thing. Yeah. The the reality is we have, uh, okay. So take bimodal, um, bringing it back up again. Uh, I think this is, uh, there's no debate. It is a fact that this is how, uh, businesses one are operating and two probably should operate because it takes long time to change the people in the processes and so forth. So if that's a given, then uh, therefore, you know, ITIL and DevOps, if you want to view them as, uh, you know, two, two sides, uh, two extremes, uh, they have to coexist. So I think the, the challenge is how can they coexist and uh, what do you do about that? Well, so I, so if they co- so I guess that's like, can there be, it's, it's the same sort of thing. Like, can you have two competing products in the same organization? Well, absolutely. But are the same people, the same exact person likely to use both? Probably not. Right. You know, if you're a, you know, if I'm a, if I'm a Google apps person and you're a Microsoft office 365 person, uh, are we likely to both use the same apps regularly at the same time? No, they're competing. Right. Uh, so different people in, in different places in the organization, I think that you can have mode one ITIL and mode two, uh, DevOps for sure. Uh, I think DevOps ha- could move in to mode one and be the mainstream way of organizing your uh, IT organization. But I don't think that you can fundamentally be an ITIL organization and uh, and adopt DevOps practices well. What does that mean? I think that means product, I, I, I think, things. What is what I what I think that means is the the centering your view of the world around ITIL. So, you know, the concepts of incidents, problems, changes, I think are, uh, are, I think if you center your product around those things, uh, you will find yourself left behind. Okay. So how, but, but how fast do things change? Realistically, I mean, you're the one that's traveled uh, the the nation and the world uh, looking at these things. Oh, it'll take it'll take it'll 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 take it'll take you know, the leading organizations today, you won't find ITIL anywhere in them. Um, The the I think it'll take another seven to ten years before we start to move away from you know that that type of. I mean, so look, I, 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 management organization, for example, is going to go away as a job function. It, sh- it should because it's completely freaking worthless. I ran change management. It is it is a completely worthless process. It, it very never, important. ever stu- it, like maybe one time in three years of getting midnight phone calls for approving changes. Did it ever actually do anything of value to the business? But the War auditors room. required it. War room. War room. We'll make your changes during during the day with all the people on hand during the work hours, make the changes small and roll them out to a subset, you know, do your, do your AB or your. uh, So as the change manager, so I'm, I'm director of application operations and the sole change approver for an organization of 200 plus IT people. This is my former life, right? What 
the fuck do I know about what an individual contributor network engineer is going to do on some field router in, in fucking Omaha? <laughs> Explicit tag. I mean, seriously, like what, no, what, what, do, what do I possibly know? And what, what is my approval going to provide that? No, don't do that because, oh, I happen to remember in my head that there's somebody else doing a change three hops away that this routing table change is going to cause a conflict. Like, who, nobody knows. You never catch anything. Nobody ever catches anything. Those processes are completely worthless. How often were, were changes uh, denied or rescheduled? Because of valid reasons. All, all, almost never. Almost never. And uh, maybe there's a best thing. Maybe our organization was terrible and I did it absolutely awfully. It's quite possible. Um, or probable, perhaps. Um, maybe there's a best in class organization out there where they catch these things all the time. But I'd like, I'd really like to talk to that person. So what if, what if, if you oh, knew the thing you were changing, you know what its inputs and, it out, and its outputs are, and you measure those things, and you make the change, and you watch those things. And uh, like I said, do it during the day when everybody is at their peak and at their desks ready to react. And then you know, uh, you know what a better way to the gauges. The, the better way to do these things is to have you know if it's infrastructure change, it should be code, it should be checked in to Git, it should be uh, it should flow through the environments in the exact same way. Uh, it should only be you know you should only have variables change that are specific to particular environments. Uh, you should also have you know all of your you know if we start getting into the future world i mean everything's in a container it's immutable it's uh so th that is the way the world is moving and the old way of doing things is having people log into machines and uh and manually make changes and break things right mm -hmm. and there's some dll you forgot about there's some dependency that wasn't you know checked or whatever with the containers you're you've got all those things uh inside the container yeah so i you know i that's that's why i, I think things are I think if you look at the people that puppet surveys in the DevOps report and all the success that they are getting, they are not, they are following the practices of infrastructure as code, uh, you know, immutable infrastructure, you know, cloud first architectures, planning for failure, designing failure and resiliency into their applications rather than uh, manually running change boards that are supposed to be catching all of their problems. Okay, I'm I'm starting to come around a little bit, a little bit. I mean, keeping I'm, in mind that change control processes are baked into ITIL, like the idea of the change manager and the change control board, and you know, they're yeah, baked no, in, man. I, I know. Like, I, I had my yeah. ITIL foundation training and whatever year two thousand or something, and I, uh, you know, ran some change control boards sometimes uh, at some larger organizations and and small. Uh, you know, services, uh, contracts and yeah, I get it. It's all, all this stuff is baked in. So I'm, I'm not denying that, that changes must occur over time. And I like definitely the, the you know, breaking changes into smaller pieces and then, and more changes more frequently, uh, leads to better outcomes in the end. I'm sold. I'm just saying from a, 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 a vendor perspective, right? We at Splunk, we make software, uh, hopefully to solve problems, uh, that companies are having, uh, you know, where do you aim, right? Where do you aim to to have the most impact on uh, and and provide the most value to customers? Well, where does Splunk aim, or or where do or 
if you were to advise, if you were at Gartner and advising an industry in a paper, the 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 biggest change, the the most important change that any organization can make, is stopping anybody from putting hands on keyboard on an individual machine ever again. True. If it's not automated, it doesn't go. If I can't do a get blame and find out like where the change was made, specifically in which commit and by whom, then, you know, I'm actually doing this on purpose because yes, I am a photographer and I, I am lining myself up in the, in the, you know, the that third. The golden um, ratio. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, center I, shots are okay too, because sometimes you just got to get, you know, you just got to get up and up and up in everybody's business. No, but I, I saw that. You can I put did. some graphics right over here too, Rick, right? There's here. there's also so back to the Eames chair thing. So there is so I have a nice uh you know armrest here where I can uh you know I can just lean. Uh, just a little more, a little more. Vets leaning to the right or the left is a very Oakland thing. You got the the lean. Is that how you drive? Yeah, well, no, I, we no, we, we, oh, you're right. I should be, sorry. I'm leaning in the wrong direction for Oakland. Um, I should be leaning to the left here. Um, well, like, you, no, you'd be dri- no, uh, like you were driving. Thing. It's not a political <laughs> statement. That's the side of the car you drive on. Oh, okay. I get it. Yeah. Well, the, not on 880 because that's just shut down. Okay. So you're <laughs> right. <laughs> that's relevant commentary. Relevant commentary. <laughs> I'm just trying to optimize my ninja flail gif right now. So, <laughs> all right. So we've had an idle conversation. So that's that's good. That's so I, I've probably only uh, pissed off two thirds of our customers. Nah. So that's uh, that's. Fine. We'll get the other third next time. We'll get the other third next time. Uh, but you know, I mean, I, I feel like to some extent, as a vendor and 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 as a market group, it is a little bit our job to tell since we spend so much time talking to customers back to the sort of puppet DevOps reports, like customers who do these things are more successful. Yep. Period. End of story. This is, uh, and, and I actually find reading those reports rather interesting. Um, it, it, it sounds cheesy. I actually, oh, that's, that's got it. That's got it. So what, so it, uh, we have, so what is this, what is the prefix to oh. wild? So I can't, it's, uh, uh, Ninja, this is Ninja flail. Ninja flail. Okay, yeah. is this going, is this we'll going into drop this in somewhere <laughs> so that people can enjoy? Yeah, DeGriff, aka Jeff Burnt, was like, they were. He was watching flail. <laughs> he said something like, "We need a flail gif." Okay, so can can, can this go into hip chat? Because you know this will be my new care. favorite behind behind yeah, right. Yeah, it's got, it's got a Splunk logo, Splunk T-shirt. It's got a what what do we call it? Buttercup in the background. How do you, how do you add how do you add emoticons to hip chat? Hip chat has. Uh, I'll uh, figure it out afterwards. Hip chat ones are tiny. I know they're tiny, but you know, but we, but that's, but you know, the. Uh, do we have do we have Rage Clinton here? Yeah, Rage uh, somewhere. Nope. Yeah, we no. have. <laughs> okay. No, I, oh, that's in there. Rage Clint. I, I think I have it in Dropbox. Is yeah, I need to pick the correct uh, correct room to uh, to chat. Right, and you're in the Splunk talk. Room. No, no, he started talking hip chat, so I went ran over. Yeah, I know, but I, but I think we need we need Rage Clint in in Slack as well, the full size version. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, there you go. Are we up? Oh, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go. 
right. Maybe <laughs> on, on that note, perhaps we should end the. the uh, we should the probably just. This is a good place to end. I believe it yeah, is. We could, we could call it Fast Clint, by the way. Have you seen oh, Fast you, Clint? Yeah, the Fast one. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> it's like when you don't have time for a full rage, you need to get a quick anger. Damn it! There you go. <laughs> Uh, oh, there we go. You know what? I knew we were going to get some humor in here. Uh, yeah. Is so. that what we're doing? All right. Genesis, uh, we, we got to give sh- credit to Jeff Byrne on it for that one. <laughs> oh, but yes, go ahead. Feel free to, I, I believe I have a Creative Commons non-attribution license, which I don't even know what that means on my GIF. So it's on Giphy. Have fun with it. All right. Let's not talk okay. about licenses. So here's our goal. Um, by the next, uh, let's say, by the next time we record, going to try to get um, It'll be, all which of will be in a year by it. No, 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 probably not. Uh, you control the calendar. Uh, oh, wait. Oh, Jeff Burnt already put it. Did he put it in there? No, he didn't put it. No, it failed. You didn't what? get it in there, bro. Um, we're going to try to get all of the podcasts um, on the, uh, let's say, you would say, the RSS feed back in action that was on iTunes some years ago. iTunes makes them go away if they don't get updated. Mm-hmm. Um, I registered SplunkTalk.com, and uh, I'm going to host all the stuff up there. Um, and we'll, we'll get there. there there's yeah, there's nothing. There's Hello World, actually, if you're interested. And I am tracking the logs. Way, your, your, your calendar, I mean, your, uh, your camera angle is ridiculous. Just let you Oh, know. is it? Just my head there? Because oh, I'm sitting down again. There we go. Right there on the camera. <laughs> see, I'm going to make love to the camera now. I see you. Now, um, so now that I kind of got my act together on all of this and going to dedicate some time to get all the back episodes that we recorded up on there, re-get the, the podcast feed going, and then um, we should probably put episode stuff maybe on Splunk blogs like we used to, but uh, look yeah, forward to more content. Show notes and things. Yeah, yeah. Clint, you be in charge of all the show notes. You can go ahead and type those up there, buddy. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. Awesome. Right. And, I, got the, uh, I got the time, yeah. As always, it's it's a, a highlight of my week when I get to hang out with you two and all of the fun people in the chat room here and Slack uh, Splunk Talk. And, we do uh, appreciate you. Until next time, it's Wild and Austin and... Uh, Ninja Flail. Sunday. Thanks, Clint. Thanks, Hal. Thanks, Room. Chat. <laughs>